get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, welcome, TSN Hockey Analytics. Another edition on the air here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, the TSN1050.ca show page, or we tweet out the links, of course, on Twitter as well. So big show today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca will stop by momentarily. Mika McCurdy, HockeyViz.com, at math, friend of show. Be by in about 15 minutes. Then our NHL fantasy guru, James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com in about a half hour time. And Rob Volman from HockeyAbstract.com, author of Hockey Abstract and StatShot. Now, another friend of show, but oh my, did he ruffle some feathers on ESPN.com with his Austin Matthews article. We'll get into that later. That's a tease. We call that in the business, folks. Travis Yost on the line from TSN.ca to kick it off. Travis, how's it going, bud? It's good. You tease that like a 30-year veteran, Andy. <laughs> now you got to stick around, right? Man. <laughs> I'll stick around this week. Oh, you know what? With my, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with a cold and sinus infection, so I sound like a 50-year-old vet now. Terrible. <laughs> Gravelly voice, whatever. We'll get through it. All right, Travis, let's start with one of your pieces on TSN.ca this week. You dissected the scoring problems of the Edmonton Oilers on the wing. The end of the article, you posed a question. Now, I'll ask the same question to you. Did trading Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle ever make sense for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, I, I, I clearly, I think the answer is no, especially both of them. I think you might have a little more debate about trading one or the other, like if Edmonton had just traded Hall or had just traded Everly. But the, the issue and the underlying theme in the piece is, okay, you were a team with good centers and really good wingers, and you sold off Taylor Hall for a second-pair guy, which you know I thought was absurd, um, but let's put that aside. And then they traded Jordan Everly for – essentially Ryan Strome, but really cap space, right? Yeah. To make, to make a future move down the road. So it, from different lenses, the the Hall trade could have made some sense. The Everlay trade could have made some sense. But in aggregate, it, the obvious piece here is the obvious takeaway is they, it left the Oilers razor thin at the wings. And if you look at the scoring from wingers this year by team, Edmonton is 31st in the NHL uh, from cool. goals from their left wingers or right wingers this year. And it, it just it, it just emphasizes what we see with our eyes, right? Like the, the the goal scoring in Edmonton has been spotty, and when it has come, it has come from the same three or four players: Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Draisaitl, Mark Letestu. Even I think he has eight or nine goals this year. But a lot of guys who play down the middle of the lineup. Uh, I don't think there's a winger in double digits in goals on the entire team. Uh, and, and let's be honest, the, the, the offensive, lack of offensive production and the fact that Connor McDavid um, is probably not armed with the most talented wingers in the world has handcuffed the Oilers. Now, you, you can write a, a bunch of different pieces about the Oilers' struggles, whether you know, the goaltending hasn't been great. Uh, I don't know that they're getting all they want from their defense. But, yeah, like one of their strategic bets, this is a fact, one of their strategic bets was we're fat on the wings, we're going to trade some talent, build elsewhere, and be a better team. Um, that that the wingers have taken a substantial step back. They haven't been able to replace that internally, and the team's not better at aggregate. And so you're you're not checking any of those three boxes. 
No, and if you look overall goals for heading into the weekend, the Oilers have only scored more goals than four other teams in the Western Conference. That's that's shocking. That's shocking. It, it, it really is, and it, and it emphasizes again why so many Oilers fans are concerned, which is you know McDavid's coming out of his cheap entry level deal, yeah. and he's going to be a he's going to be an eight figure guy. And what we have seen, in the Blackhawks are the best example of this. When you have guys that are really, really good, and to be clear, Connor McDavid's still underpaid in eight figures, but when you have guys that make up the top of your roster and eat into a high percentage of the cap, you have to be so good with your entry-level players and basically finding undervalued talent through free agency or the trade market. And I, I don't think there's a lot of confidence that Edmonton can do that right now when you kind of look at the team and they look top-heavy this year for sure, but they, they are already looking top-heavy for next year. Hmm. Now, can the Maple Leafs learn anything from the Oilers in this? Uh, because, all right, they kind of look in a way like Edmonton a couple years ago. You said fat on the wing, you know, maybe you can get a little bit. Uh, and, and But the, the goal-scoring talent, like, should this be a warning to the Maple Leafs? Say, okay, hey, just don't just shove people or trade people away on the wing because it might come back to bite you. Yeah, I, I think I think you I think you really hit a, a good point here. Um, I, I think the Leafs are a little bit more protected for a couple of reasons. One of which is their talent is at least their forward talent is spread much better through the lineup instead of on basically one or two lines, which is going to help them. Uh, and I don't. Again, it, Toronto, we could be in the same boat three months from now, but the team generally is so. And this is I swear we talk about this every week. But the team generally is so well built, but the yeah. defense is just time and time again costing them games. And I just think it's become such a critical need. It's almost like where Edmonton was before the Hall for Larson trade. Now, no one, including myself, said, hey, don't Edmonton, don't go out and get a top-four defender. They absolutely needed it. It was, don't go out and get a top-four defender who's really a second-pairing guy and give up one of the best wingers in the league. And, I, and to, be, to be clear here, I don't necessarily think that Toronto will go in that direction um, for a couple of reasons. One, they have some cap space to play with. Two, they have a bunch of futures they can move. And three, they're not going to trade Austin Matthews, and I, I would be skeptical that they would move any more than one of your Kadri, Nylander, Marner, you, you basically have, and JVR. You basically have one trade piece in that bucket that you could move and still be insulated. So I think Toronto's a little bit more protected, but yeah, like we could be in the same boat. You trade a dollar for 70 cents on the blue line, you know, I, I don't know how your team improves at aggregate in that case, but yeah, Toronto is very much like Edmonton was. They need that defenseman. Well, Travis, that's such a good point, because in Toronto, too, we've seen for years defensemen playing above where they should be, right? Dion Phaneuf, not a first-pairing guy. Like, if It's not that the defense is necessarily bad, it's that they're playing out of position or above where they should be, and that's where the challenge begins. Because like you said for Larson, second-pairing guy, first-line minutes, he's, he's going to look bad. I can make a pretty good argument that almost every notable Leafs defender is about one spot above where yep. he should be. Like Gardner's a, Gardner's a two, three on a good team, and he's really a one on Toronto. Riley's probably a three, and he's playing like a two, three. Polak probably shouldn't be in the lineup, but he's playing like a solid. You know, he's playing legitimate second, third pairing tweener minutes. Um, Nikita Zaitsev, who is that's been the one bet that's I don't know if I would say backfired yet, but Zaitsev hasn't had his strong season. Now he's hurt, of course. Um, that Toronto anticipated, and he's probably playing too many minutes in that second-pairing role. So, yeah, kind of across the board, you see, like, an okay blue line. It's just that they're all playing, like, one spot above where they need yeah. to be, and that's why acquiring one defender is really going to help smooth those minutes out. In conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Now, you also wrote of another Canadian team having a tough go of it this year, 
The poor Ottawa Senators, Travis. Oh, boy. And in your article on TSN.ca, you dive into the troubled secondary scoring of the Sens. You gave many examples of players who have underperformed. But how do you fix this? And is it something where you can do it this year? Or is this a long-term tear-down, start again? See, this is, this is where I think there's an interesting dichotomy in Ottawa, which is the biggest reason why they stink this year is the goaltending has went from great last year, I think it was like eighth or ninth in the league, to just abysmal, right? And it's hard to hold, like, hey, Craig Anderson went from really good to really bad, and Mike Conn went from really good to really bad against Pierre Dorian. It's like, okay, yeah, goaltending randomness happens, and maybe they should have had a better protection plan, but, like, the goaltending is stunk, and it's, 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 it's not completely reasonable to me to hold that over Pierre. What is reasonable is if you look at kind of along the same lines as the Edmonton piece, if you look at depth scoring, bottom six scoring across the forward groups uh, in every single, every single NHL organization, Ottawa has the least productive bottom six in the entire league. And this is Zach Smith, Tom Pyatt, Gabriel Dumont, J.G. Pajot. Uh, and you go down the list, and one thing that you notice is every single bottom six Ottawa player is scoring below the expected third-line, fourth-line rate. And at aggregate, they're the worst unit in the league. And the most notable piece, and to me, is that they're all on multi-year contracts, and almost every one of those players has either been targeted or outright bought by Pierre Dorian. I mean, Alex Burroughs, they not only traded for him, but they extended him. Zach Smith, they gave him and Pajot a, a pretty handsome deal. They targeted Dumont through waivers. I mean, so these are guys that either Boucher, Dorian, or both, both in the front office wanted. So they have said, this bottom six works for us. Nate Thompson's another good example. And Tom Pyatt's another good example from, from their international experience. And, and none of these guys have really been productive this year. And, yeah, maybe you could say, okay, Pajot's an established NHLer. This probably won't continue. And maybe that's true for him. But, like, outside of him, Thompson, Pyatt, Dumont, like, these guys don't have any track record of ever being reliable NHL scorers. And they're getting so little out of them. You wonder what they do. Like, I, I, <laughs> I would suspect that there probably be some trade market for Zach Smith at the trade deadline. I know they want to really move Mike Hoffman because he carries a larger salary, which neither here nor there, but I'm not sure that makes sense. No, then you're really uh, But done. I think Zach Smith, yeah, Zach Smith has some tradable value. So does Pajot. But, of course, those are your two best bottom sixers. I mean, the rest of the lineup isn't really movable. So I, I am not sure where Ottawa goes from here. They might need to wait it out a little bit until some of these deals expire in 2019. Let's end on a happier note for a Canadian team here, Travis. And the Calgary Flames, six straight games they've won. They're third in the Pacific and longest active win streak right now. Do you think the Flames are a team that has been slept on in the first half of the year due to their inconsistency? Or are they a club capable of making some noise once we get closer to the playoffs? Andy, I need you to fact check me, but I'm pretty sure this is the third year that we were more pro-Calgary than anti-Calgary, yeah. and I think every year they've turned it on in the second half of the year yes. after making us look stupid in the first half. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, clearly, I, I think this is one of the better teams in the Western Conference. They are very, very tough to match up against because of how fast they are and the fact that they have two really good defensive pairings. Uh, the, the big story on the positive side for Calgary, and something I was, I was wrong on, and I will freely concede this, I didn't know that the Mike Smith acquisition was made a lot of sense or was going to work out. And Yeah, you judge those deals long-term, but I'll tell you, this year, 2017, Mike Smith, I think he has a 921 save percentage, which puts him right in between Henrik Lundqvist and Braden Holpe. If you would have told Calgary that they're getting that type of goalie, they signed that deal any day of the week, so do I. Um, the fact that they've gotten goaltending has been the biggest reason why they've stayed in the race. And look, I mean, look at that division now. Wait. 
outside of Vegas, there's not a whole lot of teams that really probably scare you in that division. Edmonton's more or less out of the playoff race. And San Jose and Anaheim are they're not nearly what they were. We've said this for years. They're not nearly what they were in 2013, 2014. Very beatable teams. It did OLA. So, yeah, Calgary has the absolute opportunity to move up in that division. And if, if, if I'll tell you the most desirable spot is the two spot in that division. Because I think the crossover matchups might be very tough just because of how good the Central is. If you can get that two spot in the, in the Pacific Division, I think your matchups generally will be much more insulated. I don't know if Calgary has a complete shot at that uh, after 82 games, but, yeah, I, I would very much expect them to be in the playoff race for all 82. Travis, a pleasure as always, sir. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. All right, man. Take care, Andy. All right, you too. Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. We'll take the break. Micah McCurdy, HockeyViz.com, at Ineffective Math, will be by next. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Set up the right side for Paul Carey. Had it taken away. Neal with a shot. He scores! It happened that quickly off the giveaway. Neal beats Pavlik. We are tied at one. Welcome back, TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Hear us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, TSN1050.ca show page. We post the link on Twitter as well. So lots of ways to hear us. Still to come up, we'll have some NHL fantasy talk with James Harding and Rob Volman from Hockey Abstract. Right now, though, on the line, friend of show, Micah McCurdy, a freelance data visualizer and the man behind HockeyViz.com. Micah, how's it going, bud? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Andy? I'm doing good. So, listen, anyone who's been a regular listener to the show over the past four years knows you, follows you, but, you know, each year we get a ton of new followers and new listeners. So, the first thing in your Twitter bio, it says you're a mathematician. So, for those who don't know you or aren't as familiar with HockeyViz.com, give us a bit of background, how you used your skills in math to start up HockeyViz.com, and what's the story behind the website? So, the math I used to do uh, was all about replacing calculations with pictures with doing calculations instead of you know you imagine these long strings of symbols appearing in front of your head like in some movie poker scene (laughs) so instead of having long strings of symbols what if you could instead do all of those calculations with pictures instead because pictures are easier to understand not illustrations but actually replace the calculations with pictures Hmm. so that was what so the material in my doctorate was totally different from what i'm doing now but that's what i took that was the idea that i took and i thought what if i took that approach to looking at hockey problems and trying to present information there using pictures instead of using numbers and symbols. So one of the great things when you land on HockeyViz.com is a stat termed sadness. Okay, so I love it. You define sadness as missing the playoffs and not having a top five pick in the draft. Looking locally at the Leafs, they have 53 points so far this year. And as of last night, that was good for a tie with Boston for second in the Atlantic Division. Despite having two more regulation wins than the Bruins, the Leafs have a 19% chance of achieving, quote, sadness, while the Bruins only have a 9% chance. Can you tell us how that works? So for Toronto, at least, that that 19% chance, is, is nothing more than the chance of missing the playoffs. Right. Their chance of getting the, the... If they miss the playoffs, then they will be sad in this sense. 
the, the stat incidentally is made up by a friend of mine. The, uh, I just, I just plotted it. It was his idea. Um, he was a Senator's fan friend of mine. His name is Luke Peristi. And he was saying, wouldn't it be a shame this is two years back if the senators were to be sad in this way. And, uh, cause it looked like they were on pace to come in right underneath that playoff cutoff. So where they get a terrible draft pick and also don't make the playoffs. So for Toronto, it's, it's really just as simple as make the playoffs or not for some other teams. It's, it's more interesting. Yeah, I, I love that though. It's just it, that would be sad, right? Miss the playoffs and don't have a top five, top five pick. Yeah. Uh, so for those who who don't know, for only five dollars a month, you get access to all the fun toys on HockeyViz.com. Now this includes things like a matchup simulator, uh, a, a spade charts, uh, just to name a, a couple of them. Now, Mike, can you give our listeners a peek behind the curtain, preview some of the great content available to, uh, available to them when they sign up for just five bucks a month? Sure. So if you if you don't sign up, you just get all kinds of charts that I've already made. All sorts of stuff that, you know, this for every team, for every player. But if you, if you subscribe, the, what part of the point of doing that is that it gets you a lot of the same stuff, only customized for specific things that you want to look at. Hmm. So if you just want to know how a particular player did, you can just look at their page. But if you want stuff like, I wonder how he did with him, but not with that other guy. You think, ah, you know, you have an idea in your head. I think so-and-so is being carried by so-and-so else. And so that's too many permutations to just work out ahead of time. You'd never be able to go through it. But if you have an idea, you can look it up in using the tools that I've provided. And those are the tools that I make that I restrict to subscribers. So if you just want me to tell you what's going on, then you can get that for free. But if you have your own ideas and you want to try to dive a little bit deeper, then you have to pay me money. (laughs) That's pretty cool, though, right? Because, yeah, Every fan thinks, well, what if, what if this guy was playing with somebody different or not with the so-and-so who's carrying who? So, no, that's fascinating. It's definitely worth the $5 a month. Uh, in conversation with Micah McCurdy from HockeyViz.com on Twitter, at IneffectiveMath. So, Micah, if I were to sit down, put an hour of research into one team on your website, it would be pretty easy to identify the strengths and weaknesses of that team through all the great different visual representations of stats that you have on the website. But... If you only had to choose one of your charts to use on a team, what would be the most versatile or which singular chart would you uh, tell uh, people that you most need to know, uh, that gives you the most that you need to know about a team? So I like a pair of charts, which, are, which I could have combined into one, which is the uh, heat map that shows where teams take their shots at 5-on-5. Five five. I think that's the, I mean, analytics is a, is a huge gargantuan enterprise, and I don't think you have to stop there. with When I say shots, sorry, I mean cor- what other people call Corsi. Right. The, and so you, you, can, you don't have to stop there, but you do have to start there. That's the foundation for are you gaining the blue line? Are you defending your own blue line? Are you generating some kind of shots that, that have some kind of threat? Are you stopping the other team from doing exactly that? So I have a pair of charts there at the top of every team page that says, you know, and they're relative to league average, so you can look at a particular team and say, aha, we generate lots of shots on the outside and not a lot of shots in the slot. So that's, for, that's Ottawa, for instance. I just happened to have them picked up. And if you pick up a team like San Jose, then you can say, ah, lots and lots of shots in front of the net and a pile of shots from the right point as Brent Burns doing his thing and not a lot anywhere else on the rink. And so you can get a, a quick image of a team style relative to the league from those charts. And I think if you start there and then go on to the other stuff based on the questions that that leads you to, I think then you get a picture of a team which is, which is sort of mostly right in about 30 seconds. Well, it's it's interesting too because of course if you just look at the shot totals of a game, it's all right, well they had forty shots. It must have been good. But with with something like that, of course, you can plot, okay, well, if the defense was forcing the offense back, then those weren't quality shots and you can start breaking it down like that, right? 
That's right. And part of why I did it this way is that I was annoyed at annoyance with reporters is a big part of what drives the site. People, especially lazy reporters who just say nonsense or what I think might be nonsense. Right. And so part of part of why I made these charts in the first place years ago now um, was because of some Boston reporters. Well, Boston was getting hopelessly outshot. And they said, ah, but they're keeping the shots to the outside. And I said, well, you know, maybe it's true and maybe it's not. So I got to look. And it turns out that most of the time when people when beat reporters say these sorts of things, it's nonsense. In this particular case, it was complete nonsense. Um, but. But not all the time. And every now and again, you look at a defender and you say, ah, you know, he does let up a lot of shots, but not a lot from the crease because he's clearing players out really well. And so that, you know, that 10, 20 percent of the time, you can't just say, oh, well, it's all nonsense. You've got to know which times are nonsense and which times aren't. Now, we'll finish on, on this note here, Mike. And listen, you are far from the only one to predict that an expansion team would finish last or close to the bottom in your 2017-18 uh, season preview. The Vegas Golden Knights still sit atop first place in the Pacific by seven points as of Saturday over Los Angeles. Like, what have you taken away so far from the Vegas Golden Knights? Because we're 41 games in, man. Like, we can't be calling this a fluke anymore. No, it's not a fluke. I mean, there's no question I was incredibly wrong about them. I mean, the like a lot of was incredibly wrong about them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that I give any trust to who's, who's put up something, you know, before they went on this incredible tear for this first half of the season that said they were going to be anywhere close to as good as they're going to be good. I had them second last only to Colorado. So, you know, so that's, you know, that's clearly a mistake. Uh, I think part of, part of the takeaway there is that a lot of guys got to play a lot of minutes that we didn't see them in before. Yeah. There was a pile of guys who were playing power play minutes when they never used to get power play minutes in their old teams. And, and you can kind of, there's sort of a contradiction or a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. If they had been the kinds of guys that coaches had been trusting to get power play minutes, they wouldn't have been exposed mm-hmm. in the draft. So that's a lot of it. A lot of it is just there are lots of guys with talents that we didn't see because they didn't see those minutes. And you're not going to get that in the eye test, and you're not going to get that from analytics either because you just don't, we never saw it, so we never took data on it. Yeah, because there wasn't that data. I think that's data. part of it. Yeah, and so I think that's part of why everyone can be wrong about this, is that you know, we don't know if those guys are going to be good on the power play because nobody ever saw. And that's just one example. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, if you're exactly, if you haven't seen them players, they haven't done it. Who knows? But the Vegas team as a whole rising to the occasion. Uh, Micah, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, no, thank you. All right, Micah McCurdy from HockeyViz.com. Make sure you check out the site, folks. Great site on Twitter at Ineffective Matt. We'll get into some NHL fantasy talk with our NHL fantasy expert, James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. That comes up next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Fires it out to Johnny Gaudreau at center ice. Gaudreau does win it. Chips it for Monaghan across the blue line. Left circle. Centers it. Score. Furland. Lightning got caught in the neutral zone. It turned into a two-on-one. And just like that, it's one of the Calgary. Time for some NHL fantasy talk here on TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, tsn1050.ca under the show page section. We also tweet out the links at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Still to come in the show, we'll touch base with Rob Volman from HockeyAbstract.com with a very controversial article about Austin Matthews if you live 
in the Toronto area or are a Maple Leafs fan. We'll get into that later. But on the line now, James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. James, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. And, hey, busy weekend around the NHL. We have nine games Saturday, four games Sunday. So from a fantasy hockey side, let's get into a little bit of... Stock up. Stock down. All right. So into the weekend games. Give me a couple stock ups fantasy-wise. Yeah, and, and it's kind of funny that you guys played the, the sound clip of uh, Michael Furland scoring a goal right there. We must be establishing some kind of a second connection with the amount <laughs> that we're talking right now because I didn't tell you that I was going to pick him oh. for my stock up and stock down. So that, that, that actually works out really perfectly for me right now. He's, nice. he's my number one stock up guy uh, of the week right now. Uh, he's skating with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan, as the clip said. He is... He has been there all season, and he has been tearing it up as of late. He was shut out last night against the Florida Panthers, but before that, he had a four-game point streak of all multi-point games, seven goals, four assists in his past 11 games. He has a career-high 19 goals on the season right now, having the best offensive year of his career so far. So uh, Michael Furland, he... He has had his ups and downs so far this season, but he is definitely trending back up. And with the exposure to two top players like Gaudreau and Monaghan going forward, I really like him uh, right now and the rest of the way. I think he has a shot to hit 30 goals scored this season on that line. And then my second guy played in that game also last night, uh, only on the opposite side for the Florida Panthers, and that's Evgeny Datinov. Uh, Four-game point streak. Two goals, three assists, two power play points, and 15 shots on goal in that span. He is skating back with Jonathan Huberdo and Alexander Barkov, uh, who are two of the three leading scorers on the Panthers right now. Huberdo with 44 points and Barkov with 40. They're both top 70 overall fantasy performers in Yahoo League. So I, I like where Dadnov is right now. You remember he started the season on an absolute tear, right. 14 points in his first 11 games. And then he really fell off between November and December, only at seven points. He did miss some time due to injury, and he was dropped in the lineup down to the second line with Vincent Trocek and Dennis Mulligan. But he is back up now on the first line skating with Huberdeau and Barkov. He has 26 points in 35 games this season. So I, I really like where Dadnov is playing right now. He's definitely come into January uh, with a lot of confidence and on a tear. So th- those are my two stock-ups for the weekend. So, okay, stock up now. Which two players have their stock down that uh, fantasy owners should avoid putting in their lineups? Yeah, and there's actually two guys who are going to be playing each other this afternoon, one from the Islanders and one from the Rangers. Uh, first one from the Rangers, and we've touched on him in the past right now, is Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah. Uh, when, when you look at his ownership number in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues, he's 97% owned. He has 23 points, 5 goals, 18 assists and 89 shots on goal in 42 games this year. So he hasn't missed a game this year. But right now, he only has one point, which is an assist, in his past nine games. Uh, and when you consider the fact that he's still a mid-upper-tier fantasy defenseman in DraftKings, $4,700 is his price point right now. For the level of production that he's giving fantasy owners and DFS players, I'm staying away from Kevin Shattenkirk until until he really goes on some kind of a tear and puts together four, five, six points 
in a five to ten game span and, and really starts to instill confidence again. And then the other guy is Anders Lee from the New York Islanders. Uh, one goal in his last five games heading into the bye week. Only had 13 shots on goal in that span. He does have 25 goals on the season. His career high is 34 from last year, so he's going to have a really good shot to break that this year. I'm only down on him right now just because of the slump going into the bye and the fact that Josh Bailey is going to miss his second straight game on Sunday, on Saturday against the Rangers. So without Bailey in the lineup right now, uh, it's unclear who's going to skate with Tavares and Lee on that first line. I expect Lee to turn it around, but right now I'm a little down on him. Yeah, and jumping back to Shattenkirk for a sec there, James, it's interesting because if you're in if you're in league play, you probably drafted him high or had big, big expectations. So it's not a situation where you're going to drop him, but maybe it's somebody you pick up off the waiver wire and bench him for a little bit. But in DraftKings, yeah, like if you don't feel the values there, you stay away and, and see what is around him in that price range if you have to fill out your salary cap that way, right? Oh, absolutely. And then you also have to look at uh, guys a little bit further down the pecking order right now just to see who's performing where you look at a guy like Jordan Osterley from the Chicago Blackhawks who's on a tear right now. He's playing first power play, and he's coming in probably about $1,000 cheaper right now than, than Kevin Shattenkirk. And that price is, is rising quickly because of how well he's playing. But, yeah, you, you just have to be cognizant of, of who's around him and, and what the matchups are. In conversation with James Harding, NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. Uh, okay, so we're in the second weekend of 2018. Give me a, a possible fantasy riser to watch for in this, in this year. Somebody who's maybe, maybe showed some flashes or underperformed, but you think is going to be on the rise for the rest of this year. Yeah, well, and it's a guy who uh, made a splash earlier this week because of his trade to the Chicago Blackhawks, and that's Anthony Duclair. Yeah. I, I really have been a fan of Duclair for a long time. I love his game, and I think it's going to mesh really well in Chicago. He's skating on the third line right now with Alex DeBrinkett and, and David Kampf, but he skated last night on the first power play unit. It was the most used power play unit that the Blackhawks uh, put out on the ice on Friday night with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, uh, Nick Schmaltz, and as I mentioned before, Jordan Osterley. Uh, he had an assist in that game, and they play against the Wings tomorrow. He had uh, 15 points in 33 games with Arizona this season, but you have to remember a couple of seasons ago when he was skating with a guy like Max Domi in Arizona, 44 points in 81 games in uh, the 15-16 season. I think with the way that Ryan Hartman is playing right now. He hasn't been great for Chicago on a line with Schmaltz and Kane. That could open up a spot for Duclair to move up in the lineup should he stay this productive. Or even if somebody uh, like Vinny Hindestroza or Brandon Saad starts to falter on the top line there with Jonathan Tate. So I, I like Duclair a lot for the second half of the season. Yeah, that's really interesting because the pressure's off of him. He doesn't have to be the guy in Chicago. He's in a winning culture. So we'll have to track how Duclair does. Uh, now, somebody who you think is due for a fantasy fall-off into the new year. Yeah, and, and this one was uh, a little tough to more pinpoint, but I, I look at a guy like Sean Couturier in Philadelphia and as good of a season as he's having and, and you have to take into account who he's been playing with for the majority of the year, Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek. 
but he has never sustained this kind of point production in his career right now, and I just worry about a guy like him with uh, a young roster like that that doesn't have a lot of depth behind it. If he goes into some kind of a slump and he gets moved away from Giroux and Voracek, or even if he's playing with somebody like Wayne Simmons who hasn't been great this season but has been good, I just don't know if he's going to be able to sustain it right now. Uh, so, so he's one guy who I would definitely look at as saying, I'm not sure if he's going to finish the, sh- the season as strong as he started. All right, James. So let's polish off the segment here with a DraftKings game to help out our listeners here. So there's the salary side, as we've talked about on the show, the pick'em angle where you have the eight different groups and you pick which player in each group is going to have the best week. So it's not salary based; it's just who do you think is going to have the best or the best game, I guess, um, in the NHL case. So uh, this is the NHL pick'em 3K sniper game, and you can get that at DraftKings.com. Tier one. This is an interesting tier. Sagan, McKinnon, Wheeler, or McDavid. So you have a Dallas-Colorado matchup, and then Winnipeg into Minnesota, and Edmonton taking on Vegas. Yeah, I mean, they're all really, really great options to pick. You can't go wrong with any of them. I think a lot of people might pick Connor McDavid because it's his birthday today. So, you know, happy birthday to him. <laughs> uh, I'm, going, I'm going with Tyler Sagan, though. Uh, 40 points in 43 games. 26 points in 22 games at home, and he has six points in four games against Colorado this season, averaging almost six fantasy points per game on DraftKings in in those four games. So I I really like where Sagan is in that matchup. But, again, you can't go wrong picking any of those four guys. Yeah, it's a pretty good group. Okay, Tier 2, Taylor Hall as New Jersey takes on Philly. Brent Burns at home against Arizona. Marshawn Boston into Montreal. Or Jamie Benn, another Dallas-Colorado matchup. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ben here, but my second place would be Burns uh, just because he has been playing very well lately and he's facing Arizona, who's on the second day of a back-to-back. But I'm stacking Sagan and Ben here. Ben has 10 points in his last 10 games, and he he too has six points and is averaging almost five fantasy points per game in his four games against Colorado. So I, I like the stack there. All right, so those are the first two tiers. There's eight, and that's one example of the NHL Pick'em game. Uh, that's the 3K Sniper one, but you can check it out, DraftKings.com. Check the, uh, the Pick'em style. is a lot of fun, the salary style. Uh, James, thank you so much. And, of course, hey, if anybody has any NHL fantasy questions, James is very generous with his time on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. You're happy to help, right? Absolutely. Please send the questions my way, and I'll do the best I can. All right, brother. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, that's James Harding. DraftKings and NHL.com fantasy analyst on Twitter, as I said, at jharding underscore hockey. All right, we've been teasing it all show long. Rob Volman from HockeyAbstract.com, author of Stat Shot and Hockey Abstract, his article on ESPN about Austin Matthews and why the Maple Leafs should trade him. We'll get into that more next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. There's a pass in front, they score! Austin Matthews going to the net, and what a feed from Hyman! 2-1! Here's Austin Matthews closing in, scores! Steers it back to the point, Carrick scores! The shot by Carrick is deflected in front of the net, and it's Austin Matthews standing there. 
Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get into why we heard a montage of that in just a moment. Welcome back. Time to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. You miss any of the show, we'll post the link there. Also on iTunes, SoundCloud, the iHeartRadio app, and the TSN 1050.ca show page. Been teasing it all show. Friend of show. Rob Volman from HockeyAbstract.com, author of StatShot and Hockey Abstract, is on the line. Rob, welcome. How's it going? It's going pretty good, and... Uh... I have a hunch you're not here to ask me about uh, the nuclear trade. <laughs> not this time, my friend. Not this time. And we have you. It's an annual tradition. We have you on at least once a year. This time it's because uh, you, you got some headlines in the Toronto market. The title of the article um, doesn't make you too popular, my friend. It's the case for trading Austin Matthews. And we know the lovely people on Twitter aren't always the, the friendliest, but... If people read the article, they would realize it's like any other of your articles. It's thought out. It's well-researched. At the end, you even say, and I quote, that's why the argument isn't to get on the phone and to move Matthews right away. So you broke down your case into three parts, first of which was to, uh, to do with the, the cap space ramifications of Matthews' next deal. And you look at, well, Connor McDavid, he has an annual cap at $12.5 million. So how do you anticipate Matthews' next deal playing out? Well, I could only uh, speculate, Andy, but um, it, it wouldn't be unreasonable uh, if the position of, of Austin Matthews and his agent was that they want the same deal as Connor McDavid or something close to it. It wouldn't be unreasonable if that were the case. Now, if he was willing to sign for $10 million or less, then this entire academic exercise is, is uh, <laughs> without really a purpose. But if he does want that Connor McDavid contract, it's possible that that might actually bubble up as one of the the lowest value contracts on Toronto's roster in a year or two. Wow, and and yeah, like and really for his value to the team, you wouldn't blame him for looking at at least twelve and a half mil, right? Like it's you shouldn't hold it against the guy. Yeah, in the salary cap world, you can't just say, "Hey, he's an amazing player. Look at his contributions." You have to say, look at his contributions relative to how much cap space he yes. requires. And what can we do with that cap space? What can you do with $12.5 million, uh, if it's not invested in Austin Matthews? You have to examine that question. It's not a rhetorical one. You have no. to examine that question. What can you do with $12.5 million? And are those other options, are they superior uh, to having Austin Matthews around? And that's a That's a thought process Toronto has to have, no matter how great Matthews is, no matter how valuable he is, that is something you have to think about in the salary cap world. That's wild. Yeah, you have to have an accountant with you. You can't be making fantasy trades all over. Uh, Okay, so second category in the article, you addressed the Leafs' need for help on the defensive side. So do you think the Leafs need a superstar on the blue line to push them over the top? Uh, more urgently than they need another scoring forward. I mean, they have a, yeah. a lot of forwards that could score. Last year, they had they led the league with 60-point uh, forwards. And on top of that, uh, they've got about nine players on their roster that have scored 20 goals either last year or on pace this year. That's three full lines of 20-goal scorers. So, you know, other teams wouldn't be able to handle the loss of a player like Austin Matthews. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs might be one of the teams that can still score uh, even without him, they've got a lot of good scores. But 
the blue line. That's exactly the situation in Toronto. In fact, if you ask me what's the only thing, what's the only piece that's missing, they've got the coaching, they've got a goalie, they've got the scoring, they've got the special teams. The only thing, in my view, that can be upgraded is that top pair. They've got Morgan Riley. He's great. He can shut down top opponents in both zones. But players like Zaitsev and, and, and Hainsey, they're a little bit too high on the depth chart that I think they necessarily need to be. And uh, I see Jake Gartner as very effective, but I see him as more of that Tory Krug, that Shane Gostis pair, that, that Kevin Shattenkirk, that offensive puck mover, as opposed to what they really need, which is another Morgan Riley. Right. And I talked about this earlier in the show too, Rob, is that you still look at the Maple Leafs and the defenders are playing above a spot where they should be. And, and I don't think you necessarily need quote, superstar, but you need people to be able to be matched up and lined up properly so they're not playing above themselves. That's been a problem in Toronto for years. Yeah, and I'd say right now, it's their only remaining problem. And they, yeah. if they could just get a, a top pair defenseman, um, that would shift everyone except O'Reilly, of course, down the depth chart. And I think they would, I think that would be the final piece. In conversation with Rob Volman on Twitter at Rob Volman NHL, author of Hockey Abstract and Stat Shot, and also the author of the ESPN article titled "The Case for Trading Austin Matthews." So let's get to the third category, uh, and that was the possible return for moving a franchise settlement. I love the comparison you make to the windfall gotten uh, for in the Eric Lindros deal, right? And that really set up the then Quebec and then moved to Colorado franchise for years. So which do you think is, is more likely? A team like the Toronto Maple Leafs would be willing to part with their franchise player or a team like the Arizona Coyotes or Carolina Hurricanes, as you mentioned, would be willing to put a package together to get Matthews? Well, just looking at the response uh, that this uh, thought exercise had, it's a little thought experiment. Under what circumstances should we entertain a trade for Austin Matthews? And you saw Twitter absolutely explode. The mere suggestion, (laughs) the mere suggestion that this should be thought about caused an explosion on Twitter. So that just shows you what happens when hype meets hysteria. And if the front offices are even half as enthusiastic about Matthews as the fan base, um, if you know their perspective is even you know, half as enthusiastic there, then can you even imagine the trade offers they are going to start rolling in for Austin Matthews if they hear that there's the potential of him being available in the next year or two? So I absolutely think it's possible that some of the front offices are going to put together an excessive Lindros-like offer for, uh, for Matthews. And that's the key to this entire thought exercise because obviously plan A isn't to move Matthews for a defenseman. Plan A is to move you know, picks or prospects or maybe one of the pending free agents or possibly worst-case scenario, Nylander or Marner. That's sort of plan A. But if you can get a windfall for Austin Matthews, I mean, if you can get a top-pair defenseman and a top-five pick and picks and prospects, role players, etc., that's a lot more than you're going to get for Leo Komarov or Tyler mm-hmm. Posak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And especially, too, at that point you made earlier, when you look at, let's say, that use that $12.5 million number for McDavid for, for Matthews, if you have that, is there more value in Austin Matthews at that price or in a windfall example that you just examined that could solve a whole lot of problems and then you still have scoring? So that, that really does make it a, a thought exercise where you can't just fluff it off because, no, I'm starting to think about it, Rob. I, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you think about it, you trade Austin Matthews. So if you want $12.5 million, you can pay Austin Matthews $12.5 million and keep him. Yep. And that would mean, of course, that would, of course, mean parting ways with all the pending free agents. Van Riemsdyk, Komarov, Bozak, 
possibly all three of them would go. Um, worst case scenario, you might even have to choose between Marner and Neander. That's the sort of thing the Oilers have had to do to keep McDavid. Yeah. They had to look at Hall and Eberle and Biopouliot and so on. So tough decisions ahead. But if you move Matthews, you get back a top pair defenseman that you pay only half of what you pay Matthews. So that frees up $6 million. With that $6 million, yeah, you can keep all the free agents you want to keep. You can keep Nylander. You can keep Marner. You might even have a few extra bucks to go shopping and add another role player. And, of course, in that trade, you would get picks. You get prospects that sign on for that entry-level deal so they wouldn't even hurt your cap. And that would keep sort of the franchise strong for many years to come. Of course, Matthews would do that too. But what I'm saying is you don't have to sacrifice the future if you move Matthews if you make the right deal. Yeah, and you almost go that Chicago route where you get impact players on those entry-level deals. Uh, fascinating piece, Rob. And Toronto Maple Leaf fans, be nice. It's a thought exercise, right? I, I got your back here, Rob. Yeah, and I didn't roll out of bed and write this for clicks. I mean, if you read the first chapter of Statshot, that's where I lay out this entire yeah. model. I've spent hundreds of hours and many years on this model. Uh, front offices are using models like these. And if it doesn't work on Austin Matthews, then what's the point of these models? Everyone mm-hmm. should be able to... To, to be entered into this model and, and examined. No, you're right. Uh, Rob, thank you so much. And people, of course, check out HockeyAbstract.com and on Twitter at Rob Volman NHL. Rob, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Andy. Talk to you next time. Thank you. You too. Okay. Rob Volman from HockeyAbstract.com and author of StatShot. Great read on ESPN.com. You know what? We'll tweet it out if you haven't seen I'm sure you have. But if you haven't, from the TSN, at TSN Analytics Twitter account. We'll tweet out that link for you. Uh, all right, folks. Great show. So for producer Sean Lavery and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network.